Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show lined up for you today. We've got guest Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll be talking about public education in Florida. Also visit with Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and we'll visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. He'll be joining us as well. It is July the 28th, and on this day in 1868, following its ratification by the necessary three-quarters of the United States, the 14th Amendment granting citizenship to all persons born or naturalized in the United States, including formerly enslaved people, was officially adopted in the U.S. Constitution. Secretary of State William Seward issued a proclamation certifying the amendment. Two years after the Civil War, the Reconstruction Acts of 1867 divided the South into five military districts, with uh, new state governments based on universal manhood suffrage were to be established. Thus began the uh, period known as Radical Reconstruction, which saw the 14th Amendment, which has been passed by Congress in 1866, ratified in July of 1868. The amendment resolved pre-Civil War questions of African-American citizenship by stating that all persons born or naturalized in the United States are citizens of the United States and of the state in which they reside. The amendment then reaffirmed the privileges and rights of all citizens, granted all the citizens that the equal protection of the laws. In the decades after its adoption, the Equal Protection Clause was cited by a number of African-American activists who argued that the racial segregation denied them the equal protection of law. However, in 1896, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in Plessy v. Ferguson that states could constitutionally provide segregated facilities for African Americans so long as they were equal to those afforded white persons. The Plessy v. Ferguson decision, which was announced federal toleration of the so-called separate but equal doctrine, was eventually used to justify segregating all public facilities, including railroad cars, restaurants, hospitals, and schools. However, colored, uh, quote-unquote, facilities were never equal to their white counterparts, and African Americans suffered through decades of debilitating discrimination in the South and elsewhere. In 1954, Plessy v. Ferguson was struck down by the Supreme Court and its ruling in Brown v. the Board of Education of Topeka, and uh, now all uh, that was the last straw, really, in terms of uh, uh, separate but equal. Good thing. So it's been a journey for all for us, but uh, we've gotten to the other side of that. But unfortunately, the Democrat Party continues to use uh, identity politics to divide us. So unfortunate. Well, Governor Ron DeSantis took a stand Wednesday on against banks and fund managers using the woke environmental, social, and governance criteria ESG. That's environmental, social, and governance is what ESG stands for, which is used by socially conscious investors to screen potential investments. The ESG criteria rates companies based on factors like how the company addresses climate change and its relationships with employees. Governor DeSantis said these criteria are used to target disfavored 
individuals and industries to advance a woke ideological agenda. He's so right about that. The governor announced current administrative changes in legislation that will be introduced for the legislative session. Florida will prohibit the State Board of Administration fund managers from using political factors to determine where to invest the state's money. This board includes the fund manager that manages the state of Florida's pension funds, which amounts to about $200 billion. The governor said the SBA fund managers will be required to only consider maximizing the return on investment on behalf of Florida retirees. Thank you for that, Governor. He's so right. It was also announced that the state would prohibit Wall Street banks, credit card companies, and money transmitters like PayPal from discriminating against customers for their religious, political, or social beliefs. They're using these like social credit scores to be able to marginalize people they don't like, said DeSantis. Tina uh, Deskovich, the co-founder of the nonprofit Moms for Liberty, shared how the organization received thousands of donations from people until PayPal froze their accounts. They filed some paperwork to get things corrected, and PayPal continued to allow the donations to come in, but they did not allow it withdrawals from the funds. It brought our organizations to a screeching halt, she said. Governor DeSantis proposed legislation for the 2023 legislative session that will prohibit big banks, credit card companies, and money transmitters from discriminating against customers for their religious, political, or social beliefs, prohibit State Board of Administration fund managers from considering ESG factors when investing the state's money, and require SBA fund managers to only consider maximizing the return on investment on behalf of Florida retirees. I just want to thank the governor for his leadership on this very, very important issue, which is basically global elite weaponizing American capitalism against us, Render said. This is both a national security issue and a pocketbook issue. He said corporations and banks are pushing a woke agenda that is artificially driving up the costs in industries like energy and agriculture by financially choking the companies in the industry. This is such a good move. Good companies that want to increase their profits do pay attention to these things, but that shouldn't be one of the factors for determining where to invest money. It leads to less returns, and it's a foolish idea. So thank you, Governor DeSantis, again, out in front and figuring out uh, how to lead us in a way to keep Florida free. He also, by the way, on Wednesday endorsed additional parent-student-first school board candidates, those who would embrace the governor's freedom-first policies at their local level, Local school boards have emerged as the political battleground, one that surfaced in the national uh, elections during the Virginia governor's race. Glenn Yonkin, of course, won by promising to reestablish excellence in our schools throughout the elections and thereafter. Parents nationwide raised questions on woke indoctrination, such as critical race theory and gender ideology injected in the classroom. So the governor basically said, hey, uh, these aren't all the candidates. We endorsed 29 candidates uh, for a school board. And it's absolutely true that money comes in from out of state or out uh, out of county, actually, to uh, support school members that support the agenda of the uh, unions. Well, that's uh, he's basically saying this has got to stop. We have to make sure that everybody's in alignment with regard to good free education in Florida. Another Another good move on the part of the governor. Well, President Joe Biden on July 27th exited Isolation after testing negative for COVID-19 and spoke to reporters at the White House. I've just tested negative for COVID-19 after isolating for five days, he said, in an event in the White House's Rose Garden. 
his first public in-person appearance since uh, testing positive on July the 21st. He'll wear a well-fitting mask for 10 days when he's around other people, O'Connor said. Biden's been uh, completed a five-day course of Pfizer-made Paxlovid and is uh, fever-free, said the doctor, who added that the president also discontinued taking Tylenol for his COVID-19 symptoms. So I didn't realize the Tylenol was a treatment, but there you go. So the president now is back at (laughs) hammering away at uh, our freedoms and, and liberty here in the United States. The Federal Reserve on Wednesday raised its benchmark interest rate by a hefty three-quarters of a point for a second straight time in the most aggressive drive in three decades to tame high inflation. The Fed's move was uh, will raise its key rate, which affects many consumers and business loans, to a range of 2.25 to 2.5 in its highest level since 2018. The central bank's decision follows a jump in inflation to 9.1%, the fastest annual rate of inflation in 41 years, and reflects its strenuous efforts to slow price gains across the economy. By raising borrowing rates, the Fed makes it costlier to make our out-of-mortgage or, lo- auto biz- or auto or business loan. Consumers and businesses then presume borrow and spend, uh, presumably borrow and spend less, cooling the economy and slowing inflation. The Fed is tightening credit even when the economy has uh, begun to slow, thereby heightening the risk that its rates heights will uh, cause a recession later in the year, or maybe next year. The surge in inflation and fear of recession have eroded consumer confidence and stirred public anxiety about the economy, which is sending frustratingly mixed signals. With the November midterm elections nearing, American discontent has diminished President Joe Biden's public approval ratings and increased the likelihood that the Democrats will lose the House and the Senate. The Fed's moves to sharply tighten credit have torpedoed the housing market, which is especially sensitive to interest rate changes. The average rate of a 30-year fixed mortgage has roughly doubled in the past year to 5.5%, and home sales, of course, consequently have tumbled. At the same time, consumers are showing signs of cutting spending in the face of high prices, and business surveys suggest sales are slowing. The central bank is uh, betting that it can slow growth just enough to tame the inflation, yet not so much as to trigger the recession, a risk many analysts fear may end badly. On Thursday, when the government announced the gross domestic product for the April-June period, some economists think it may show that the economy shrank for a second quarter and would mean a long-standing assumption of when recession has begun. But, of course, the president says, well, wait a minute, there's other ways to define recession. So just like our uh, inflation was temporary and uh, it would go away, that's he's now saying, hey, prosperity is right around the corner. Slowing growth puts the Fed policymakers in a high-risk quandary. How should we raise borrowing rates if the economy is decelerating? Weaker growth, if causes uh, causes layoffs and raises unemployment, often reduces inflation on its own. So the dilemma could co- become an even more consequential one for the uh, Fed this year and next year, when the economy may be worse shape and inflation will likely still exceed the central bank's 2% target. Among analysts who foresee a recession, most predict it will prove relatively mild. We certainly hope so. The unemployment rate, they note, is near a 50-year low, and households are overall in a solid financial shape uh, with more cash and smaller debts than the housing bubble burst in 2008. So there's some positive signs. Uh, Still high uh, full employment going on. Of course, uh, Florida is 1% better than the national average. We're proud of that. 
But uh, nevertheless, uh, this is uh, the economy is kind of screechy coming in. Uh, slowing down substantially, and many small businesses are worried that they're going to be out of business by the end of the year. Well, as a taxpayer anywhere in the United States, you should get, uh, you're getting scammed by groups like United Way, Catholic Charities, and Central American Refugee Center, or CARASEN. You may think they're charities, but the truth is these groups are hauling in millions in taxpayer dollars, or your money, under the government contracts to facilitate illegal immigration. It's money laundering. Democrat politicians want to maximize illegal immigration, but they don't want their fingerprints on it. The remedy, pay so-called charities that will do the work for them. And who is in the scam? Well, President Biden, politicians across the country, including Governor Hochul in uh, New York, uh, Mayor Bowser in Washington, D.C., and Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, even before the border, um, migrants still in Mexico are being handed payment cards loaded with $400 a month to enable them to pay for necessities. The cards are, dis- cards are distributed by the nonprofit International Organization for Migration thanks to the money provided to the State Department or by the State Department. After crossing and surrendering the U.S. border agents, many migrants are directed Catholic charities where they provides, which provides them with hotel rooms, meals, clothing, and sometimes pays for their bus or plane tickets to their chosen destinations. Sister Norma Pimentel, executive director of Catholic Charities on the Rio Grande Valley, explains that the mission is merely to give a cup of water in Jesus' name. Can you believe that? That's how this whole scam is going on right now, and it's being facilitated by these non-governmental agencies like uh, Catholic Charities. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Uh, the website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Thank you. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing... Uh, Brought to you in part by Foundation for Government Accountability, a terrific organization, very active in states as well as the federal government, and among other things, providing policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the very robust website, vfga.org. Coming up, going to be visiting with Michael Cannon. He is Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Well, you know, we've kind of felt like we're in the clear because of Joe Manchin saying that he's not going to support uh, any programs right now, Build Back Better, uh, because he's concerned about inflation and what's happening. But even though inflation increased, well, he's changed. Uh, had a change of heart, and this is a little disheartening for me and for, I'm sure, most conservatives. He said he's Build Back Better is dead, and instead we have an opportunity to make our country stronger by bringing Americans together. Democrats are using a process called a budget reconciliation to advance the legislation, which allows them to get around the Senate filibuster with just 50 votes. As long as all 50 Democrats avoid catching COVID-19 and are present and able to vote for the bill, they likely will have the votes to get the legislation across the finish line. Manchin said the bill will have a minimum 15% tax on companies worth at more than $15 billion and invest in several forms of energy, including fossil fuel, nuclear and renewables. This is on top of the agreements the Democrats previously came to on prescription drugs and extending subsidies, including the Affordable Care Act. What a waste. And this goes along with this high minimum corporate tax of 15%, which is kind of a globalist mood also. Just really abhorrent. Senate Majority Chuck Schumer uh, leader Chuck Schumer and negotiated directly with Senator Manchin for months on a slimmed down reconciliation deal. I now propose and will vote for the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. That's what they're calling it. In, uh, Inflation Reduction Act. It's anything but. Rather than risking more inflation with trillions in new spending, this bill will cut the inflation taxes Americans are paying, lower the costs of health insurance and prescription drugs, and ensure our country invests in energy security and climate change solutions, Manchin said. How disappointing. President Biden, Leader uh, Schumer, and Speaker Pelosi have committed to advancing a suite of common sense permitting reforms that uh, this fall, he said. 
According to Schumer and Manchin's office, the bill will raise $739 billion in revenue through IRS tax enforcement, the corporate minimum tax, and closing the carried interest loophole. It will spend $433 billion total on energy and climate change provisions and on the ACA extension. That's the Affordable Care Act. How disappointing. Manchin and his opponents in opposition to Democrats' expensive reconciliation proposals frustrated liberal Democrats for months, but at least one progressive said Wednesday she is happy with the Manchin deal. Senator John Cornyn of Texas backed a GOP move to block a Senate China bill with Democrats who were still pursuing a reconciliation bill. But hours after the Senate passed the China bill, Democrats announced a reconciliation deal and said they planned to move ahead with it. It makes me very hopeful that Senator Manchin is announcing a deal, said Senator Warren, when asked if she was confident reconciliation was actually moving forward. Republicans, meanwhile, criticized the deal, which was announced just hours after Senate passed the bill on complete competition with China. Uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has threatened to kill the China bill if Democrats continue to move forward with reconciliation. Let's hope he has the power to do that. Senate Democrats can change the name of the Build Back Broke uh, as many times as they want. It just won't be anything less devastating to American families and small businesses, John Cornyn said. Uh, Raising taxes on job creators, crushing energy producers with new regulations, and stifling innovation, looking for new cures will only make the recession worse, not better. I think Cornyn's got that right. With inflation at a 41-year high and looming recession, Democrats want higher taxes, more government spending, and to attack American energy, said John Barrasso, the senator, added so much for helping American families. So let's hope this, they can't push this forward. Where's uh, Kirsten Sinema, Senator Kirsten Sinema, when, when we need her? Joe uh, Manchin is apparently caved, but perhaps she will hold out. She's very independent in her thinking as well. We'll see how this plays out. But apparently it's not going to happen until uh, after uh, September. A lot can happen between now and then. Well, uh, former President Donald Trump notified CNN of his intention to file a lawsuit against the network for repeating defamatory statements in the statement on Wednesday. I for Law, the Washington-based law firm, filed a notice of intent ordering the network under Florida State Statute 770.02 to punish, to publish a full and fair correction, apology, or retraction in published pieces or broadcasts that allegedly made false statements about the former president. The notice warned that the failure to issue an apology will result in a lawsuit. Failure to publish such a correction, apology, or retraction will result in filing of a lawsuit and damages being sought against you, uh, CNN, the uh, document warned. Trump warned that he's being su- he will be suing other media outlets that have defamed and defrauded the public about the 2020 presidential election results. I have notified CNN of my intent to file a lawsuit over their repeated defamatory statements against me, Trump said. I will also be commencing actions against other media outlets who have defamed me and defrauded the public regarding the overwhelming evidence of fraud throughout the 2020 election. He's doubling down. Isn't this amazing? I will never stop fighting for the truth or for the future of our country, he said. The notice accused CNN of repeating, allowing claims that Trump was illegitimately elected in 2016, uh, in the election in 2016, to uh, go unchallenged. He then raised accusations that CNN fed a narrative that repeatedly defamed Trump's character before and after the 2020 presidential election. 
This is just great news to me. I'm very pleased he's standing up for himself and for people who believe in the MAGA movement. I said that uh, that it's uh, in an outlet published several headlines, uh, either defaming or negatively depicting the president. Headlines negatively depicting and former president included Trump's growing recklessness is tickling as a ticking time bomb. Trump's January 6th plot appears darker by the day and Trump's big lie is changing the face of American politics. He wants this all corrected. I don't suspect that CNN is going to do it. They'll end up paying and paying dearly, I suspect. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Michael Cannon. He's the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We aim to expand individual liberty in all areas of human endeavor, which means we we contribute to the public debate uh, uh, voice for individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. A great mission, which I certainly subscribe to and support. Uh, Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. 
So, Michael, uh, it looks like Manchin is getting on board with regard to a $500 billion bill. Uh, some of it includes things on uh, prescription drugs, and I thought it might be interesting to find out kind of what's the granular sense of what's being proposed. So there are parts of this bill that are good. The Medicare program spends way too much on prescription drugs. Now, I, I like to say the, the amount that Medicare should be spending or the federal government should be spending on prescription drugs is zero dollars and zero cents. Right. And so anything that moves the actual number the government is spending in that direction is a good thing. And this bill contains some provisions that would lower the prices that the government is paying, lower spending on some prescription drugs. Uh, I would uh, I would say that uh, that the problem is it doesn't go far enough huh. in that direction. But uh, and that's partly because I think the provisions that are there are not going to work. They're not going to reduce spending as much as uh, the congressional budget crunchers project. Uh, but also, the, you know, the problem is that this really isn't worth doing if Congress then just turns around and spends that money uh, in other incredibly inefficient ways. And that's exactly what this bill does. Huh. It takes the savings, the presumed savings from those those Medicare provisions, and then spend them on Obamacare. And not just spend them uh, to subsidize people who enroll in Obamacare, but this bill in particular spends most uh, of its Obamacare money on people who are making six figures. People who are making $200,000 a year will get subsidies of up to $12,000 to help them purchase Obamacare plans. And that's how that's that's the federal government's definition of affordable. When people making six figures need a twelve thousand dollars subsidy, uh, that's making health insurance affordable. That is just unconscionable. So unfortunate. And if I'm not mistaken, I think you cited at one point that uh, only five to ten million people are subscribed to the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. So it's a small percentage of the population. It's creating so much. Uh, discord within the uh, health uh, cares industry. Uh, unbelievable. And what's it going to do to uh, to uh, prescription drug costs? So right now, the way Medicare pays for drugs that your physician administers and a lot of drugs in the Medicare Part D program just encourage drug companies to charge more and more. Uh-huh. In some cases, whatever they want, and then the taxpayer is going to pay for it. So me- Medicare exerts an up- exerts upward pressure on drug prices. And the idea behind the, me- the drug provisions of this bill is Medicare should be able to say to drug companies, hey, we're not going to pay that price. You lower your price or else we're going to drop you from Medicare's formulary. We're not going to subsidize uh-huh. your drug. And that's fine. I think that's a, that's, that's a fine idea because... That's how private insurance companies operate, and that's the only way to get drug companies to be reasonable uh, at, uh, when it comes to pricing their drugs. The problem is that it, it's probably not going to work for Medicare any better than it works for private insurance companies where the consumer doesn't care about the drug price or even care about their premiums because they feel like their employer is paying the premiums or they're so heavily subsidized by the government. If 
Medicare tries to say we're not going to cover your drug because the price you're charging is too high. And to the consumer, to the Medicare enrollee, that looks like that only looks like austerity. They're not seeing any of the savings that come from those lower prices. Yeah. Medicare enrollees are going to say, forget it. We're going to go to their member of Congress. They're going to say, stop the centers from Medicaid, for Medicare and Medicaid services from doing this. And that's going to eliminate any of the savings that come from that strategy. In other so words, I'm not in other words, as optimistic uh, as maybe, Democrats are that this is going to save money. Yeah. So I think what you're suggesting is because pharmaceutical companies might say, well, look, if you're not going to pay the price that we deserve, we're just not going to allow to, uh, we're not going to uh, participate in the program and therefore withdraw its, its, uh, uh, its uh, drug from the, from the market or for, at least for Medicare. Uh, participants, and the consequence would be that call to the congressman. Did I get that right? That is correct. And the the drug companies will be funding those lobbying campaigns. They will be activating, mobilizing uh, patients, elderly patients who use their products to hector the members of Congress until Congress forces Medicare to cave. Because that happens every time Congress tries to reduce Medicare spending. Um, in fact, you know, this, this reminds me a lot of, this bill reminds me a lot of Obamacare. In Obamacare, they, they tried to cut Medicare spending in order to create new government subsidies for these Obamacare plans and the Medi Obamacare's Medicaid expansion. And the Obama administration, under pressure from insurance companies uh, who faced those Medicare cuts, undid a lot of those Medicare cuts unilaterally. Yeah. Just so, just like they undid a lot of the other provisions aimed to reduce spending on health care. The industry didn't like it. They lobbied to remove them. The new spending stayed. And Congress has expanded the new spending, but they undid a lot of the pro, a lot of the provisions that were supposed to reduce spending. I predict the same thing's gonna happen here. Yeah. So in other words, the road to hell is paved with good intentions and this is just another example. What what you're saying is that the probability is high that drug costs are gonna remain high and uh, we will have taken money away from uh, Medicare. That's right. And it's going to increase well, not much away from uh, Medicare. Uh, but it's going to ultimately increase rather than reduce government spending. This is uh, so disgusting. Hey, listen, before I let you go, uh, right now, uh, Fauci saying well, we, sh we should have people with masks on, um, that uh, they should be wearing masks inside. Uh, here we go again. I'm getting this feeling that there's no science to back these types of recommendations. Are we headed for more lockdown and locks lockdowns and uh social distancing and so forth? Uh, I doubt that is on the horizon, if only because so many Americans are suffering from public health fatigue at this point. Yeah. Because they've received so many inconsistent messages from public health authorities like Anthony Fauci, and those recommendations have been based on, let's say, not the firmest empirical foundation. Yep or foundations that uh, that a lot of people have stopped listening. Uh, and uh, this is what happens when public health authorities are not careful, uh, don't uh, are not modest, uh, are too ambitious, 
and uh, try the public patient, public patients too much. Yeah, it's just uh, so disappointing and disheartening to see. First of all, the uh, messages are not in alignment, and uh, lots of evidence to just show that this. Friend, one thing that the CDC is. Uh, decided that they uh, weren't getting enough revenue coming in, so they uh, they uh, went with the monkey. What well, no? It was the uh, what was it, the pig virus? <laughs> I've forgotten now. But anyhow, a lot of really questionable behavior on the part of uh, on the part of uh, bureaucracy. Well, we probably should expect that. Michael Cannon, again, director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Cato dot org is the website. Michael, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Glad to be here anytime. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Michael. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government, that and more, right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about less government. 
Yeah, we just reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and governments don't. Yeah, it looks like it's a, it's a difficult task, but I'm glad you got your shoulder to the wheel and working on it. Uh, you wrote a column which I really enjoyed. Big government, big banks, and debt to GDP. We little guys are getting well hosed. <laughs> Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, um, I always I, periodically I check in on how how much each government is spending: the federal government, the states, and the locals. Yeah, and I checked in this week, and the combined spending of federal, state, and local is over $10 trillion. Right now, our GDP is under $20 trillion. The GDP, of course, is gross domestic product. It's, it's every penny, every man, woman, and child combined create in the United States. That means governments are spending 53% of everything we create right now. Wow. Um, that's obscene. And then, of course, the federal government alone is spending... Right under 30, it's like 29.7 or something. I can't remember what I, my calculator said. But it's just under 30% of GDP. Uh, that's unsustainable, of course. And then you look at the debt, and we're at $30.6 or at least we were on, on uh, Tuesday when I wrote it. It may be higher now. And... That means the debt-to-GDP ratio is 155%. Huh. And once you the, – the, a lot of economics have been studied on this. And once you get above 77% of GDP in debt, it starts squeezing the, and shrinking the economy because that seems to be the tipping point number of that percentage. Yep. 77% and higher, the amount of money the government is borrowing starts to contract the private sector because it's taking so much money to, you know, to maintain the debt of the government that it's actually depriving the private sector uh, of, of capital to operate. Right. Now that's true. That's true at any level. But it starts to contract the economy at 77%. Well, we're more than twice that right now. Yeah. And is it going to get better or is it going to get worse? Well, it's going to get a lot worse. It's going to be, you know, right now we're watching interest rates go up. Yesterday the uh, right. Fed raised, what, three quarters of a percent. Now what's that means the government's going to have to pay more to, to uh, borrow money for the money that's borrowed. It's just going right. to create a tremendous drain on uh, the but, it's called the 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 economic theory is called the crowding out effect. And it's, it's it's quite obvious, actually. Right. You know, the, some people, you know, some leftist Keynesian economists dispute it, but it's quite obvious. You know, I mean, yes, you can create wealth, but at any given moment, there's almost so much wealth in existence, and if the government's borrowing more of it, there's less of it for everybody else. I mean, it's quite it's not rocket science. Right. So there, there's a huge crowding out effect by the federal government. And again, you know, we talk about the many ways the Biden administration has destroyed domestic energy production. One way they've done that is they've gone to Wall Street and shamed these banks, these big banks, into not lending to oil companies. Oil companies operate on a, I mean, they make money 
but they operate on a thin margin. They borrow money. They they get you know. There's a whole process that the government's created. It's absurd. If you study how much, how many government hoops they have to go through, but they you know they get permitted, then they have to get environmentally approved, and they, there's all these steps, and they borrow money. Once they get through all those steps, then they borrow money to to actually do the drilling and, and the extraction. Right. Um, that's of course if the holes they're drilling produce oil. So a lot of the times they do not produce anything. Right. But anyway, they've been shaming the big banks, Wall Street, into not giving them investment capital. Hmm. And that's going to happen more and more and more across the board as the government swallows up um, all the existing available capital just to service debt and their spending. Huh. And uh, Brian Reddle, who's a great economic mind, he's worked for government for years and and worked for the Trump administration, did a study. He said by 2030, every penny the federal government collects in debt, I mean in taxes, just goes to service the debt. Yeah. Not pay the debt, just the interest. So that means no Defense Department, no social spending, no Social Security, no Medicare. All we're doing in, t- in, in 2030 is is paying interest on the debt. Wow. And that, that, that study, of course, that's, that study was done a while ago. Our, spendings, our spending and deficit spending have gotten worse since then, so it may be sooner than that. So anyway, the point of all this is there's less money for us to borrow. Now, I've written about how the banks have set up these things where they, they lend money to billionaires you know, like they put up their art collection as, as collateral, and they bo- they borrow money because the interest rates are so low. Uh, they, of course, it's going to slow down and stop now. But you know, billionaires were getting money that should have been lent to poor people and middle class people trying to build businesses and build the economy. Right. Instead, it's going to billionaires on their art collections and their you know their their fifth mansion to you know fund their lavish lifestyle. Well, that's going to get tighter and tighter and tighter as we've discussed. Well, not only that, of course, big banks don't want competitors. The alleged Dodd-Frank bill was allegedly to address too big to fail. It made too big to fail bigger. Right. Uh, The average big bank got 30% bigger. Meanwhile, it killed thousands of small banks. Uh, Big banks don't lend to poor people. Small banks do. Yeah. Well, if you've killed most of them, uh, what happens next? Well, what happened next, we've talked about this, is the payday lenders. Mm-hmm. The people who lend you money till payday for the poor people whose car breaks down and they can't afford to fix their car. They have to have their car to get to work. So these little small payday lenders, who, by the way, will never be lending money to billionaires on their art collections, right? Because they're not big enough to do that. They're in the you know there's there's small time lenders lending to small time people, and so of course Congress is trying to outlaw them too, with by, by price capping the, the the loans, which of course as we know when you cap the price of something you murder that something because if you can't make money on it why would anyone do it? Yeah, uh, that's the that's the thinking behind the oil. You know if you can't. You can't make money on oil. Why would you continue to drill for oil? That's the thinking behind all this. 
And it's the same with these lenders because God knows the government needs the big banks to lend them money. Yep. So they're going to do crony policies, stupid anti-American crony policies, like killing payday lenders as payoff for, for the big banks lending the money to continue the profligate spending. And so now uh, folks that use uh, payday uh, lenders, for example, not only can't get the money to get their car fixed, but they can't afford to pay for the fuel to run the car. So it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, exacerbating yeah. the problem all the way around. This is a, not a pretty picture that we're looking at for going forward right now because capital is going to dry up. That means fewer uh, small businesses started, uh, money not available for a number of things, including new homes or whatever it might be. Uh, this is a pretty dark picture. Unless and, and, and it's, and it's, a, it's a problem that feeds into itself. That's right. There's less money for the economy, so there's less economy. So there's less money for the economy, so there's less economy. Yeah, not a pretty picture. Again, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. Well, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Bob, 
Always a pleasure, no matter where I am or you or where you are. Well, not when you're on a jazz cruise, but uh, <laughs> uh, to speak to you on a Thursday morning. Absolutely. So, anyway, I was uh, I was just going along my merry way talking to you before we went on the show, and I said, "It's always funny," and you kind of woke me up as a bill. We're on the air in ten seconds. I said, "Oh, sorry, Bob." <laughs> it's always but, great uh, to catch up. So. <laughs> How's the how's the hip doing? Well, I'm doing okay. Uh, uh, had a little setback, and I tried to got overly aggressive on my recovery program and uh, oh. pulled a muscle. So, but nevertheless, uh, each day it's feeling better and better, and I'm hopeful that I'll be fully mobile and uh, back at golf here in another couple of weeks. Oh, that'd be just absolutely terrific. Yeah. You'd have to dodge the raindrops, though. Exactly. Well, thanks for asking, Bill. So now I, I believe you and your goldfish and <laughs> and Chris, yeah. everybody's up it's in a, the up in Buffalo. Yeah, it, it's not a goldfish. It's a what is beta it? Fish. It's a betta fish called Gold, uh, Gold Bills. Uh, he made it up. He tripped. He and the and Ava the cat and uh, Chris and I. We made it up. Uh, very, you know, it was interesting. I wanted to see. I was very curious about the gas um, uh, gas prices coming up the uh, East Coast and um, and uh, uh, whether there was going to be a lot of traffic or not. And um, uh, it seemed like business is normal. Uh, gas stations were full. There was the lowest price we had uh, was, of course, when we got here. There's a um, there's a reservation here. And uh, it was three sixty five for regular wow. and four fourteen for high. So it was like, oh boy. But on the way up, the prices varied. Um, they had one that was pretty high, and then some leveled off. So it was coming. It's definitely coming down a little bit, not to where we would like it. But yeah, uh, yeah. And and traffic wasn't bad. We got caught in a couple of uh, construction, you know, um, uh, sites, but. Um, other than that, we made very, very good time, and uh, we made it in safe and sound. So that was that. And then um, uh, Naples, uh, you know, it's, of course, with the primary uh, and the county commission going on, there's there's definitely some... Uh, there's definitely some some nasty stuff going on, uh, <laughs> you know, letters and uh, people are writing letters about other people. And it's nothing that you and I have not seen for many years. I know. It just goes with the territory. Well, I, every, I look at the letters to the editor of the Naples Daily News. I sometimes wonder why I do that. But nevertheless, it's, right, right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so it's so much vitriol and, uh, you know, name calling and so forth going on. It's just incredible. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, you know, somebody, and, and, I, and I, 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 I won't mention a name, but somebody I know pretty well um, wrote a, sent an email um, about another candidate um, yesterday. Chris and I saw a copy of it, and uh, we just watch. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't get involved in it. But um, it was just, um, I don't know. You know, it just makes you feel bad. Uh, let the candidates run their. Uh, run on what they have and uh uh and let the voters decide but i don't think the voters need any help um in 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 making decisions most most time and they did this year they had some very very nice uh um get-togethers uh they had that um uh uh i don't want to say get together but they had all the candidates together and they all had a little chance to speak and people got to meet them i know they did that twice which i thought was really nice once for the school board and once for county commission 
I think that if people put their mind to it, they can really learn a lot about the candidates. So you, particip uh, you participated in a process to uh, evaluate candidates. Uh, did, right. Did, uh, did the process actually come up with candidates that you're recommending? Yes, of course. Uh, yeah, Naples Better Government. Um, and uh, we interviewed every single candidate except for two. One came into the room and saw someone that she didn't like and said, I would like you to... Uh, ask this board member to to leave uh and we all looked around the room and said no we're not asking our board member to leave and so she left oh my goodness uh, uh and then there was somebody else that was a no-show that decided uh didn't want to be interviewed but they they all um interviewed well and we made our we made our selections and had been in the paper a couple of times we 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 picked um the the incumbent school board candidates we felt they did a they've done a, a yeoman's job um the other candidates were if they stick with it i think down the road they they might be uh they might be electable and um for um and same thing for um for county commission i don't have my list in front of right. me um but i know that we had picked um Michelle Michelle McLeod was one of them. Uh -huh. um, I'll have to I'll give it to you next week uh, and okay. why we did it. Um, but um, uh, as I say, they were very. A lot of the candidates were very interesting. Um, had some interesting backgrounds, uh, and and some of the candidates, as always in an election, um, you could see they needed a lot more experience, and they were. They were more or less running on emotion, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Well, and uh, the other thing, too, is I, I've actually supported candidates. Uh, several of them I'm very pleased to have supported. In one case, I can think of a candidate that ran for Collier County Commissioner. And uh, it went with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, once elected to the person, totally changed their stripes. and. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think you understand what I'm saying, though. You've seen that happen too, haven't you? Many, many times, you know. And you're, uh, I, I could mention one. I would really get myself in, in hot water by doing it. Many years ago, I pushed for this candidate, and uh, yeah. uh, the the candidate got elected. And uh, as you just said, um, it just, in my opinion, turned out to be a disaster. But. Once the deed is done, Bob, it's done. That's right. It's, there's no turning back, so you have to make good choices. Some people can right. put on a good face and say the right things. I mean, it's, it's just unfortunate when that happens, though. Yeah, yeah. Some it, people it, just can't play play together well in the sandbox. That's, you know. No, no. I, um, I was going to say that, uh, and I know we're done with time, but I was going to say that City Council will be will be interesting this year to say the least, and we'll have lots to talk about. So we will. Uh, Bill back in Bill Barnett again, former mayor of Naples. Always appreciate your commentary here on your show and your friendship. By the way, I appreciate that well, so much as well. That's more important, Bob. And you have yourself a you keep healing up nicely, and uh, look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you so much, Bill. Say hello to Chris. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Um, Tomorrow, we've got great guests lined up, including Jack Dortman. He just returned from uh, Ukraine, Poland, uh, to uh, on kind of a mercy mission, and it is so interesting, uh, his observations. We'll talk to him about that. We'll also visit with Larry Bell. He's an endowed professor at the University of Houston. I'm reading, reading his book right now, which is so interesting. Uh, William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute, and Brad Palumbo. He is the domestic journalist 
for the uh, Foundation for Economic Education. He'll be joining us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.